When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's code CHGO at PointsBet. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are also joined by Bleacher Nation's Michael Cerami. And Michael, We never really set out to do this intentionally, but I think this is like the fourth time we've had you on right before the season to kind of like preview things. So we're just going to call this a a tradition, and I'm glad we kind of ended up doing this. So thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. And first and foremost, congrats, guys, on the uh, big new gig. Um, Thank you. Love to see you guys together, and this is it's been great following you guys. And, uh, I think you guys got a lot of cool stuff ahead of you. So I'm really, really proud of you guys and happy to see what you're doing. Thank you. No, Corey has to be on his best behavior now that you're in here, because like the first episode, he's, you know, rolling his eyes at me. So he, I don't think he can do that this time. You have to be in your best behavior with a, with a guest on the show, Corey. We'll see about that. Okay. But, uh, okay. yeah. And eventually we're going to have to get you down, uh, to the West loop, Michael with Cody, Luke, Ryan, and the guys get you live in the studio. But we are remote. Then, then I have to wear pants. You will have to I wear don't pants right yeah. now, and I'm not. We so could that... put you in one of the middle chairs where you're kind of blocked by the table. You can get <laughs> yeah. away with a little bit more. I think that'll work. <laughs> but uh, we are here, as I said. If if you're new to you know Brendan and I or, or this podcast, um, we have talked to Michael for I think the last three or four years, uh, right around when the season starts, to just sort of preview things. And a phrase I use a lot, kind of set the table. And as opening day is looming on Thursday, Kyle Hendricks on the Hill at Wrigley field, just kind of, uh, set things up for you a little preview, uh, maybe some predictions, taking a look at the different roster groups. Uh, you know, we'll go group by group and just kind of give our thoughts, set some expectations and see how we're all feeling, uh, before the season gets underway. But I want to start kind of generally, Michael, um, obviously since the trade deadline last year, 
Then we have the Marcus Stroman signing to kind of end the first portion of the offseason. We have a lockout, then a rapid free agency period, a, a pretty unique and strange offseason. So I kind of just wanted to start by asking, like, how do you feel about where we are here? Like, I don't know what you expected going into this offseason or where you hoped uh, or planned for this team to be in terms of their competitiveness or the roster construction or anything. And as we're a few days from opening day, how, just generally, like, how do you feel about things? Sure. Um, I, I'd say that my perspective on where I thought I would be and where I thought the Cubs would be changed pretty dramatically um, over the offseason and then and then swung almost all the way back around. So starting out, um, I was not expecting you know, say a Suzuki and Marcus Stroman level signings. Um, I thought we were going to be in store for the type of signings that happened, um, you know, after the lockout and also at the end of last offseason, the Jock Peterson sort of stretch of signings. I thought we were going to get plenty of those. Um, and we did. It was just a little surprising. Once they got uh, Stroman in on board, that's when my internal compass was kind of like, oh, like, I was fine dealing with this being a nothing burger of an offseason, but now I'm excited and I want to talk about Carlos Correa constantly. And I don't think I was, I don't think any of us were wrong to, to sort of feel that way once Stroman was part of the picture because it was, you know, his deal was always one that the Cubs saw as a, as a value proposition. It's a short-term deal. It's not, you know, overcommitting themselves financially in the short term or, you know, beyond 2023 um, when the rest of the Cubs payroll will, you know, take a step backwards with Jason Hayward's contract falling off the books also. So when they did that, I was kind of like, ah, like, all right, let's go do some, let's go, let's get Michael Conforto. Let's sign Carlos Correa. Like let's, let's go for it a little bit. Um, not go for a world series championship, but let's just turn this around right away. Forget, you know, where the prospects are. Uh, that's still going to be a part of it. Um, and I even sort of, I, I was kicking around this idea of, uh, you know, we sort of have been groomed to believe, and it's sort of true that, you know, you sort of, Jed Hoyer said it, you need to have this foundation of talent at the big league levels, uh, big league level, most of which needs to be pre-arb, so it's affordable. And then you go, you know, complement a roster like that with um, big free agent signings, right? Well, I was starting to get on board with this concept of flipping that. We know quote unquote, that all of these prospects are coming, right? A lot of young players that are going to be around for a while. Couldn't the Cubs have like not front loaded contracts, front loaded the acquisition of free agents to the mm. beginning of this next five year period, as opposed to waiting three years and then adding those players at the end. And, you know, in any two or three year window, you'll have a balance of expensive players and cheap players. And you've got to navigate that. It didn't really ultimately go that way. And so now we're kind of left with this, middle ground that's closer to what our expectations were, but I think it's going to be a fun season because there's a lot to look forward to. There's so many individual potential uh, uh, breakout players that will mean so much to the future going forward that it's, it's still going to be a very fun season. Just, we might have to measure that fun in a different way than we're used to. Yeah. When the Korea rumors were starting, like following, you know, the lockdown, of course we had signed Stroman at least like personally, I tr I tried my hardest not to buy into it, but I bought into it. Mm -hmm. And of course, like you're sad when you end up seeing Korea sign for, for what he did. 
with the multiple opt-outs after you know the first year and the second year. And you're thinking too, the way Correa's market was shaping out, he wanted maybe those opt-outs. He maybe wanted a front-loaded deal. It seemed like the Cubs were like the perfect match for that. But even that being said, the fact that he's not signed, like, and this is a good segue maybe to a larger discussion, but I'm excited to see Nico play shortstop like the majority of the times. And of course, you want Correa, you want to get more stability at that position. But there's also a side of me that genuinely wants to see what he can produce, both defensively, offensively, in a healthy, hopefully a healthy season. So there's this for me, there's like two sides where, of course, you want to have that, you know, stable competitiveness, but I'm curious how these guys shape out. And it does have relevance to their competitive window this year and also for, you know, the next few years. I just wish that I could have, and I'm sure Michael, you know, writing about it too, like, I just wish I could have the literal hours of my life back that I spent talking about Carlos Correa. Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I wanted it. It's okay. You know, we're moving on here. Like we're finding the kind of things to dig into, but we we spent a lot of time here. And like, I know I talked about it with Luke, Ryan and Cody a bunch. Um, and it was just, yeah, just all for naught. But um, well, you no, got into it fast. We we're gonna have a whole nother offseason of out. potentially. Yeah, you know? I mean, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm ready to do it that's again. Not the end. <laughs> and we say that, but if he opts out, I will 100% get just as roped in as I was the first time. Yeah, oh, no and, doubt. But well, one thing that I I I want to set up now, so it it doesn't seem like it's. I'm not hopping on the bandwagon, the opposite, like, like, like piling on is if Correa has like a monster season and is, it is, um, you know, he'll opt out if he's healthy, if he plays a healthy season, he's going to opt out and go for yeah. a big deal. Um, but if he has a monster season and it's clear, he's going to opt out. And now he's like, you know what? He is going to get that $350 million deal or whatever. I'm going to be pretty frustrated at the missed opportunity to pounce on that a year earlier and maybe you spend an extra 35 million this year that you didn't want to, but you're, you could have maybe gone to eight years or nine years right. at 320. And yeah. now instead you're doing 10 starting a year later and it's 350 million or whatever. So if the Cubs do end up seriously pursuing him next year and they get him, that's going to be cool and all, but it's, that's a, that was a fail then. Then, then they sure. made a mistake. It, it, I, I don't know. I just don't want to lose sight of that. And I think that they're bound to be included in those rumors again, regardless of, you know, how Nico Horner performs probably. And so it's just like, I, I'm not so sure we should be like just rooting for that because it, it could end up being like the worst of both worlds where we miss out on his productivity and performance this season and then pay more a year later and longer overall. So it's, I don't know. I'm right. Just, so I'm already anxious about that. I, I, that's how we are. You're you're in the right company for that type of thing. But uh want to, you know, turn to this group. And mm -hmm. I think we'll we'll start with the rotation because we actually got some, you know, call it news on that today. We know the one through three to start the season Thursday through Saturday against Milwaukee. It'll be Kyle Hendricks on Thursday, Justin Steele on Friday, and Marcus Stroman making his Cubs and Wrigley Field debut on Saturday. Uh, still waiting, probably Alec Mills, Drew Smiley, someone of that sort uh, going on Sunday and kind of rounding out this first turn in the rotation. 
Um, we've talked a lot about these guys and obviously, you know, you sort of start with a little bit of disappointment with what Wade Miley's dealing with, of course, Albert Alzali out for, you know, one to two months, whatever that ends up being, then both of those guys have to ramp up again and, you know, get back to full throttle. So we'll see how that goes, but sticking with the guys that we know are going to be in the rotation this first turn, um, I think Hendricks, Stroman, maybe a, a little more obvious what you're looking for and expecting there, but I'm I'm curious what you think uh, about the expectations for this rotation in general as the season progresses, but specifically if we're looking at one guy, Justin Steele, who, because of those injuries, and I, I think Ross probably trying to break up the uh, right, you know, the handedness, the velocity, so he goes on Friday. Huge opportunity for him. I mean, getting the 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 second start of the year, Friday, one twenty at Wrigley Field, so generally on the rotation and then maybe Justin Steele specifically for you, Michael. Sure. Um, you know, the rotation, the, the pitching staff as a whole, but I, I want to keep it focused. Um, th- I tweeted about it earlier today. There, there's a lot of, I, I have a lot of excitement um, for the rotation in a, in a tempered manner. I think that they are going to be serviceable more so than maybe the last two seasons. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, a high enough floor for them to be, you know, a, a workable rotation that if the offense clicks and if guys like Hap and Frazier and Suzuki and Contreras all hit, if they hit, then the rotation won't sink you. And, you know, we believe in the bullpen picture enough that it can be a good um, overall product. But I'm just so disappointed to not have Elzelai in there right off the bat. I mean, he yeah. was pro- probably one of the, things I was most excited to watching, you know, yeah. develop this season. He, he was such, he, he's one of those pieces that unlike Kyle Hendricks, unlike even Marcus Stroman is like, okay, if Azalei clicks, not unlike steel, you know, it doesn't matter how good this season ends up being in, in the standings because we have a building piece for the future. And, and that's more exciting to me right now um, is seeing every individual component that could mean something in 2023 hit or not. And so losing Alzali right off the bat, it was a bummer. Losing Wade Miley um, is a bummer, even if it's a short term, because he provides a lot of that floor for the entire group. I mean, you don't need him to do anything other than eat innings, you know, at a round and average clip. And nice. if he does that, you're golden, you know, it's fine. Um, fortunately, Justin Steele is one of those players that, uh, if he's able to grab a hold of, like you said, an amazing opportunity, not just to sneak into the rotation, because he was far from a lock when the offseason began, even at the beginning of spring training before the injuries started piling up, it, it was not certain. Alec Mills was supposed to be in the rotation. I think if Alzali doesn't get hurt, you probably didn't sign Drew Smiley, but Drew Smiley is supposed to be in the rotation. Um, Miley Hendrick Stroman, uh, Keegan Thompson, they're all, there's a lot of people that, you know, could have pushed him out, but suddenly he's starting the second game of the season at Wrigley field. That is a huge opportunity. Um, the, the sort of scary part is I feel as though both he and Keegan Thompson have so frequently delivered in a relief role and so infrequently delivered as a starter that I'm almost nervous for him. Like, you know, like it's like, I'm, I'm like, uh, stealing his emotions and I'm like, Oh, I don't like this because you want him to succeed and you know, he can in a different capacity already, probably immediately he could be a successful reliever, but it's just so valuable to see if he can do this thing as a starter. 
Um, his last outing in spring training, he got into a little trouble. He was wild. We know he has fits of wildness and they took him out and then put him back in for a cleaning a little bit later. And he settled down and he started hitting his spots. Um, but he was missing with that fastball up over and over and over. And it was like, Oh my God, I could see this spiraling out of control. And when it's the second game of the season and you know, you're faced Corbin Burns, the first game, which is going to be tough. And then you got another game against the Brewers at Wrigley, uh, you know, against Brandon Woodruff. It's like, it's not a recipe for success. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure and he seems like a guy that has, you know, I'm not saying, I don't mean psychologically. It's just like there have been big moments and he hasn't yet delivered as a starter in those moments. So a little nervous, but he has a long season ahead of him. And as long as he stays healthy, as long as he throws strikes, I think it'll be okay. I mean, he does have a lot of upside too, and I'd be happy to see what they can get out of him. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Keegan Thompson and Steele, they kind of had the same roles for a little bit last year where they're multiple inning reliever guys. They get their chance in the rotation, and you're trying to piece out, okay, can their stuff that was working well out of the bullpen translate to the rotation? I think we don't know that for either one of them. For me, like I'm like I really like Keegan Thompson. I really like that cutter for Steele, big lefty throws pretty fast. And I think from like a pure stuff perspective, I, I, I like it a little bit more. Uh, it's not to discount, you know, Keegan Thompson's cutter and his forcing. But when I look at steel, uh, Joey, if you pull up that graph, yeah. So this is, this is a zone profile. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you can find this on YouTube at CH go sports. And if you look at those top pitches, which in this graph are triangles, those are all fastballs, four-seam fastballs. And they're thrown at a spin axis that's almost around like 340 degrees or around like 12 o'clock on on a clock. So that means Justin Steele has this natural carry on his ball based on the spin. But for some reason, his active spin rate is below league average. So something is going on where he's not able to translate this type of spin direction into heavy carry that you typically see from guys like Clayton Kershaw or even Carlos Rodon, who signed with the Giants. Um, But also you're seeing the slider in that same graph uh, before on the bottom left and curveball that has this heavy sweeping action. And this type of uh, spin axis is also like a little bit above league average for these secondary pitches. So for me, I'm thinking compared to Keegan Thompson, I feel as if Steele has a little bit more potential there just because he has that heavy forcing breaking stuff. He does have a good slider with horizontal movement that moves well above league average. And he is working on this potential sweeping curveball that I think might play up in a starting rotation. And it is very similar to what Carlos Rodon does, who has basically a four seam and a slider, and he's able to make that work um, because he has heavy, heavy rise on that pitch. So I'm curious about it. I was a little disappointed how Keegan Thompson ended 2021 out of the rotation. That may put a damper on it for me, but I'm still excited about both. Um, With Steele, you know, I'm looking for that curveball to maybe be optimized a little bit, that fastball, maybe that that spin rate gets improved. Uh, But I just feel like, I feel like Steele has a little bit more of a higher probability of working out. And I think that's, that's exemplified by Ross giving him that first chance. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I think I'm with you, Michael, that Alzali going down is is pretty disappointing. Um, one, just for his development, and, and we can turn to maybe Justin Steele, at least for these first couple months, to maybe look like a guy that we can pencil in to the rotation going forward in, in years to come or whatever. Um, but also, like, Alzali just felt like he represented the best chance for, like, a guy to take that next step. You have him with Miley, Stroman, Hendricks. And if Alzali sort of molds into like a middle of the rotation guy, like a stable piece, like all of a sudden the rotation looks pretty good. If, if, you know, Hendricks is more like the non 2021 version of himself, if Miley kind of looks like he did last year and you lose that potential and like, we'll see if he can come back. But I, you know, the adjustments that Alzali was trying to make, even when he was coming out of the bullpen to end last year, you know, now he's got to work back from an injury, get back into shape, and then kind of start that process over again a little bit in the middle of the season, which isn't easy. I think he can do it. I know he has the mentality to do it, but it's disappointing to not have him go through the right, you know, spring training and be able to just start from the jump. But um, I, I think in general, yeah, like I, I think that, that when Miley's back, I think the top three in this rotation should provide a decent floor and you know, it's tough to be confident in the back end of this group. Um, yeah. you know, Drew Smiley was probably just working on stuff, but he ran into a buzzsaw of that, that white Sox okay. uh, lineup today, very difficult for left-handed pitchers to deal with. Uh, and it looked that way today, <laughs> but you know, it's a spring training game. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't blame people if they're not necessarily inspired. Like if the four or five, this, you know, to this first go, is Drew Smiley and Alec Mills. I don't necessarily blame people for being, you know, a little sheepish on on the rotation as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, not only are, you know, for Smiley specifically, the fact that the Cubs went back to the same guy two years after they paid him $10 million to rehab and then didn't pay him so they can get Cole Hamels, they must, they must love something about him. I mean, clearly, I and mean, we can do our own, um, uh, you know, uh, investigation on what that is. And there's a million reasons why we think that that can work out, but they clearly do like him. And as far as his blow up, it's like, yeah, it was the white Sox first of all, and they are particularly tough against lefties. And we, you guys know this. I mean, it's, it's easy to say like spring training doesn't matter. Um, but it, but it like really doesn't matter for veteran pitchers. Um, I always used to use the example of Jose Quintana saying one game he threw only change-ups at a spring training game because he was working on his change-up. He threw like 30 change-ups. And it was like, yeah, if you are not aware of that, you might be like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is insane. But, you know, and for Kyle Hendricks, um, who didn't have a great outing, he was talking about uh, working his two-seamer low and away. It was like a piece of The Athletic by Sadov Sharma. He's like, I was just pounding the zone over and over. I wasn't trying to get anybody out. I wasn't thinking about um, their their weaknesses or their scouting report or their advanced report. It just wasn't part of the calculus. And so when you look at guys like that, um, Drew Smiley, Kyle Hendricks, Smiley maybe a little bit less so because he's like sort of fighting for a spot, but he's on the team. He's going to pitch meaningful innings right away. It, it's uh, It's a lock at this point whatever he made it through healthy. You know what I mean? Let's see what happens in the regular season. And 
I don't think anyone should expect him to be the guy that he was once projected to be and was for a short while. But if he's useful and can help carry us through until Alzelay comes back and Caleb Killian maybe gets promoted, then, you know, yeah. God bless. That's that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. Yeah, I can't wait until Killian uh, gets his shot here. And, and hopefully Adber's back in the next, you know, like six to eight weeks. I don't you know optimistically, but we'll see. All right. So break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Remember that uh, PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, build a perfect live same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And you can even boost your live same game parlays. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever. So you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet live with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And don't forget to support all that we're doing here at CHGO, podcasts and live shows on every team, every day, post-game shows. Uh, I know Luke and Cody for sure will be on during the season after the Cubs finish their games. Uh, and premium written content for members at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the CHGO Lounge, the members-only Discord. So sign up to become a member at allchgo.com. All right, so I think we can transition to the bullpen. Um, Like I said, we're all very excited for Marcus Stroman. Brendan has broken down everything about him, uh, you know, over the last few months. So I, I don't know that we have too much to say other than we're all really excited to see him. I can't wait. I thought it was going to be Friday, but I'm going to go on Saturday. I can't wait. It's going to be freezing, but we're going to bring the energy from our, wait, how cold will it be? I think it's going to be like in the low forties. So I'm going on Thursday. I'm going Thursday. It's supposed to rain. Do you have to wear like a winter jacket to those things? How does that work? Yeah, man. You got to layer up. Yeah. I don't know, man. I've been on the West Coast for so many years. Where where do you live? Well, I'm not on the West Coast, man. I see okay. the ocean a lot. Let's just put it that way. I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, 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 guy, this guy grew up in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, but he forgets I his did. roots. So how do you do I it did. in 40 degrees? Like, well, yeah, I don't know. Out. I mean, we what is 40 degrees? We, we have to be there for Marcus Stroman. So we're going to put on some layers and we're going to figure <laughs> listen, it out. All right. Listen, I, I respect it. I'm just asking, like, what do you do? Do you do like, I would be bringing hand warmers and like feet warmers. Like, you got I that thin blood do. now. You got that thin Cali blood. But uh, looking at the bullpen. Um, first of all, you know, some, some of the roster decisions, of course, are still not yet made. Like, I think there's maybe like two to three spots that they still have to decide to get down to the 28 men that'll start on Thursday. Um, Joey says, talk about the Wrigley field onions. You'll hear about that when I get there on (laughs) Thursday, I need to make sure that they're, you know, in, in regular season shape, you know, Hmm. and if they're not, you'll, I'll be tweeting about it. Um, 
But we had a very cool moment like live on Marquee today with Ethan Roberts coming out of the game and being told by David Ross, the cameras caught this in the dugout, being told that he was making the opening day roster coming out of spring training for the first time in his career. Some really awesome quotes about him growing up. I know he, I, I think he told his dad uh, that there was always a sign like heading into their town coming off the highway that he said, one day that's going to say home of, you know, MLB player, Ethan Roberts. And he felt like this was kind of a, a start to that. So that's just one, you know, name we know for sure in the bullpen. Manny Rodriguez is not going to start the season in the MLB bullpen. Um, but looking at it, it, you know, we'll, we'll start kind of with like with the rotation starting generally, and then maybe get more specific, but Michael, like in the, in the years past, the Cubs have shown a pretty strong ability to cobble together a bullpen and it may not go into the season with the names or the, the kind of marquee appeal that some of the elite bullpens have, but they seem to have a system that figures out a way to get outs from some of these guys. And reclaim their career or add new pitches, whatever they need to do. When you look at this group that they've constructed for this year, do you, do you have that same confidence that they're going to be able to have a successful unit here? Yeah, I I don't, I I don't, I've, I'm so past the point. You know what? This is actually, you just reminded me when we were doing our preview, it might've been last year. Um, we were talking about where we thought everyone was going to end up. And we got to a point where we were talking about the Brewers and it was like, they never look as strong on paper as they end up being in the season. And over and over, they prove how good they are at competing with a team that doesn't, that's where I'm at with this, with this Cubs front office assembling bullpens. Don't care anymore. Don't even, I don't even care what happens during spring training in the bullpen picture how it's shaking out like i love watching the guys that i don't get a chance to see often um and you know their performance when they do well that's great whatever it's i don't care anymore i just want to watch the pieces that they plucked out of free agency and in some cases paid significant like real dollars for a lot of these guys it wasn't like these were like you know two or three million dollar signings like a lot of them and that that adds up um when you're talking about these sort of non-established journeymen plus type relievers that, you know, maybe had a big prospect pedigree or whatever, um, or one big, you know, unique skill that they, they, they stress and hammer and, and then add one other thing. They teach them their knuckle curve or whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm over worrying about it. It's going to be good. The, the biggest criticism though, um, that I think the Cubs deserve to face from us as fans watching this team is they need to figure out how to shrink the time of uh, discerning who is right for what role early in the season, because for a team um, it's especially true for a team like this where, and it was the same case last season, um, the early season wins are going to be, you know, disproportionately valuable because if it's not working, they're going to blow it up sooner than later. And um, I don't want that to happen. I, I would love for them to be a surprise, fun, exciting team. And a lot of that will depend on how quickly they can use this bullpen to their advantage. So I trust, I trust you, you know, David Ross and pitch lab nerds and everything. I do it. I, you got it, but you know, let's get this wrapped up by early May, not late May, early June, where we know the roles and are defined and, and, and what is going to, who is going to contribute where and how and stuff. So that's what I think they need to work on. And, you know, specifically 
there's there's no one to call out. There would have been one. It would have been Cody Hoyer. He would have been the guy that I was like, yep, I cannot wait to see what he does this year. Same as Azalei. It's like, is he the closer of the future? He could have, he could still be, but like that was what I was hoping to find out this year. You know, we're not going to now. And who knows what the beginning of next season will look like for him anyway. So that would be my like, okay, let's key in on this guy and see what happens. But now it's like, uh, I don't know. Let's see if Keegan Thompson can be a dominant multi-inning reliever. That would be mm-hmm. cool. And then everybody else, I mean, besides Manny Rodriguez, who went down, Ethan Roberts, like there's a few guys that like, you know, okay, maybe they could turn into something, but everyone else is pretty much a go out there, dominate as much as you can. Um, see if you can win a couple games early. And if not, you're probably going to be traded at the deadline. Like that's just the 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 roadmap of this season when it comes to the Cubs bullpen and the guys that they targeted, those pieces are the easiest to move and they're often extremely valuable and they cost so little to acquire. It's like, you know, it's a no brainer. So I'm happy with it. You know, it's, it's like a non-factor to me at this point because they have nailed it season in and season out. I'm not worried. If we can get maybe like, you know, I don't know, Chris Martin or Jesse Chavez kind of in that Tapera Chafin, if that's how the season goes, you know, things go well. Hey, thanks. Get us an interesting prospect or two. I prefer <laughs> it go better than that. But, you know, that maybe is a, a thing that they're replicating. Yeah. The, looking at the bullpen, when you say like roles, Michael, like I, I, it's so, there's so many different roles these guys can fit into. So for me, I think, we see Rowan Wick. Maybe he's going to get that first chance at like the high leverage call a closer if you want for that role. We did hear David Ross say he does not like to put labels to things, so it's hard for me to kind of reconcile what that means for some of these guys. Of course, you see, you know, um, Jesse Chavez went three innings yesterday. You saw the potential for Keegan Thompson to go three innings out of the bullpen. What does that look like in terms of mid to high leverage? Will they get those chances? But from your perspective, do you see the Cubs going out there right away and just saying, Rowan Wick, even if there's some growing pains, we're going to give you these eighth and ninth inning chances and maybe even just like the one inning fireman role, whether that be in the eighth inning or the ninth inning. Do you see the role shaping out like that? Yeah. You know, David Ross can say he doesn't believe in labels and that's fine, but uh, we watched him the last two years. (laughs) I mean... Craig Kimbrell was his closer and Andrew yeah. Chafin and Ryan Tapero when he was healthy was the setup man for righties and left. I mean, his bullpen took on roles. They did. You know, I think that the, the reason uh, or labels, the reason that it's going to be different a little bit this year is um, early on. And you guys know this, but just for everyone listening early on, it's going to be just an absolute fire sale of arms coming in and out of the bullpen, maybe up and down from AAA Iowa actually, I'm going to hold the point on that for a second. Um, and because of those, I'm going to get back to that. Um, this is, this is great audio for everyone listening. <laughs> um, because of that, the roles may not be defined early on, but that was sort of what we were getting to is like, you have to put your, put the pedal to the metal as quickly as possible to define those roles. Um, but I am, I do understand that in the first couple of weeks, especially as guys are still stretching out it's going to just be all hands on deck um, from the, from the start. I don't think Jesse Chavez is going to be a three inning reliever in June, but he probably will be in April and may when the rotation is full of guys that might not go more than four innings, you know, out of performance or out of necessity for arm health, you know? So 
I get that. Um, but I do want to make one point. Um, the options for minor league options for players this year, it changed in the new CBA where a player can only be optioned up and down uh, to the minors five times in a season before being subject to waivers. Historically, it was unlimited times and you had a certain number of option years, right? Three or four. Um, and what's confusing about that is people almost always confuse those issues and, and, and conflated them saying like, Oh, well, we already optioned him up and down twice. Does he have more options? It's like, no, if he had option, if he had an option year, he can go up and down as many times as he wanted this year. The limit is five part of the new CBA. However, uh, baseball, the union and MLB agreed to not count any up and down movement in the month of April. So that effectively neuters the entire rule for the season, because if you get one or two, options up and down in the first month and they don't count, you're not going to get five more by the end of the year. Most people, when they did the analysis, it was like, there was a couple guys that a couple teams that had a couple guys that were at like six or above. So, you know, that's just another factor that the Cubs can play with guys like Manny Rodriguez, have them come up, throw an inning at a time as needed and shuttle them back down and not use any of his countable options for this optionable year. And it's just, it's going to make the entire pitching staff, I hope one collective breathing unit from Iowa to Chicago and, and everyone is going to just have to cover as many innings as possible until things stabilize. And hopefully when they start to stabilize, we'll also see the reemergence of Albert Elzali, Wade Miley, um, other guys that are hurt. So, you know, from the start, the roles might be undefined and that'll be okay. But I hope that even more, even relative to years past, they really define those roles as soon as possible. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like we, we, and I think we'll talk about with the position group too, like the thing in, in the bullpen, I, I agree, you know, you want those roles defined. I'd love to see, you know, Wick continue to get some of those high leverage spots and maybe kind of cement himself in that spot as, as we go forward here. Um, but, you know, just looking at like the Ethan Roberts thing today, like, I know this isn't necessarily the type of thing I, I wish we were talking about, like gearing up for them winning a championship. Right. But something that this type of roster in this type of season does allow is stuff like what we saw with Ethan Roberts today, guys that, you know, work their way through the organization and get, you know, big time opportunities. And they, they have a chance to be really nice and, and fun stories if those guys can come up and be successful. And, you know, the Cubs obviously have kind of a, a mix. They have some significantly older guys, Chris Martin, Jesse Chavez, but, you know, you'll see guys like Michael Rucker, Scott Efros, Ethan Roberts, Manny Rodriguez, you know, and there will be many more who, you know, it, it's it's cool to see those guys get those opportunities and kind of like we were hoping with Cody Hoyer, hopefully some guys emerge where you start to find some answers as the Cubs, whenever the next great Cubs team arrives, as Jed Hoyer loves saying every five minutes, yeah. like hopefully in the bullpen, as well as the position player group, mostly, I think you start to kind of see some guys where they can go, okay, like check this guy's in here, this guy's in here. And just sort of like lessen as we head to the next off season or the off season after that, lessen how much shopping they have to do. And Maybe it doesn't work that way. Maybe it's several guys, right? And we feel great about some of these young guys in the bullpen. But it it this situation does allow for stuff like we saw with Roberts today. And those are cool moments, whether it's, you know, how, what we hoped we were focusing on or not. Yeah, I think, you know, not to get too meta on covering 
a baseball season, but I know you guys know have to do the same thing. Um, I struggled for a while to figure out what this, I was thinking about this the other night and I was wanting to write something on it, but these are, these are hard thoughts to work through. I was struggling to find what this season was going to be and compare it to some, like some other part of, you know, maybe the Cubs rebuild. We can say like, Oh, this was like, you know, 2014 where the prospects are right around the corner and then they do well in the second half and 2015 looks more exciting. That's not really a good parallel. It's not quite right. Even some of the younger arms the Cubs have are significantly older than, you know, Kyle Hendricks was when he was debuting, you know, and so it's, I haven't found the right parallel for this Cubs season yet, but I think. I think the thing that it can be like the most, and I'm glad I'm doing this not on paper because it it's going to be, it's going to sound crazy because I, I don't think this is the outcome, but it's the emotions that we felt at this point, right? The 2015 season obviously had a lot more going for it. Uh, that, that team had a lot more going for them than the current Cubs do. But, but what they had the least of was expectations um, no one expected them to do anything significant. They ended up winning 97 games and going to the NLCS. I don't see the Cubs doing that for any number of reasons. But what I do see is the potential for as much fun as we had during the regular season that year, this year, because there are so many exciting stories and things like Ethan Roberts, things that you can really get behind and get excited about. Whereas at the end of the competitive window, we just exited. It it was a, we were clawing on. We were like, please, right. please be as good as we want you to be like, <laughs> like, or you're supposed to be, or have been, or be good all at the same time, anything like, please. And, and we're untethered from that now. And I'm not going to lie. It's pretty refreshing. It's, it's, yeah. it, it feels lighter. I feel so much more excited and and it's it's so it's so lame to say it because I don't want to I don't want to act like having zero expectations is a good thing. It's not a good thing, sure. but we feel good, right? I mean, there's there's exciting things to figure out about this season, and you know I can't wait. And and a lot of it, I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk about next is on the positional side. Yeah. Guys like Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki. I mean, there's so much potential good, and it could go bad, yeah. it can go wrong, but there's a lot out there. Yeah, there, no, there was feel- a, a weight to the that era ending and and talking about it and expecting it. Yeah, there was there was like a like a burden almost mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and I was watching the game, you know, the night game yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is nice. You have like Ed Howard in the infield making nice plays, turning double plays. You have Clint Frazier. And I did to your point, Michael, I did think th- this is this is nice. It's stress-free baseball without that overbearing expectation, which is what you want ultimately, but it does provide a level of like stress and uneasiness. For example, if, you know, Javi hurts his thumb sliding in the second base or Chris Bryant is going through an adjustment phase, which he ended up always going through successfully. (laughs) It's just, just one of those, it's one of those things that's not on your mind as it was for the last, for the last six years here. So yeah, I feel that it's where it's weird to, like I'm having problems trying to effectively communicate that I, you know, I wish they were in a more competitive stage right now, but at the same time, like I still, I find a lot of these guys interesting. I find the team spot 
in their competitive window very fascinating because this is like this is not your typical you know quote unquote rebuild even though some some people will call it that which is fine but you can see it accelerate faster if certain players pan out like if Nico is a staple at shortstop this could change the outlook of the team. If Clint Frazier can be like a league average, slightly league average little offensive producer at that age with that team control, it does change maybe what Jed ends up doing in the next offseason. All right. So last read from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register all your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So, it's almost like I a like CHGO. Almost. I, like, I like I could, it. I, I was like trying it. to see if I could like... Bend we it. could we could definitely steal that uh, yeah that kind yeah. of setup um, and also yeah. that free shirt from the locker is that like the lost and found locker at chgo or it is the, it is yeah. it's a it's huge locker one of though Corey's shirt. it's just one of Corey's shirts every time he goes down there he just throws one in there <laughs> i flip it up it just says Corey. <laughs> massive locker we have in the office um yeah. but yeah like you alluded to michael obviously the last place on the team to look at and then i have a couple you know sort of more like generic broader questions to finish with um next place to go is the position group and it especially with you on here as we've talked to you to kind of lead into so many of these seasons with a pretty similar group or at least largely a similar group it really struck me as as i was preparing for this today that how long have you been uh covering the team at bleacher nation uh full-time since 2016 part-time 2015 Okay, so we're around like basically the same timeline. And so what what struck me, 2015 kind of a little different, but from 2016 on, really, this is the first time that like Brendan and I are talking about a positional group where you can't just like pencil in at least 80 to 90% of every lineup, right? Even if mm -hmm. guys were in platoons or whatever, you knew who was hitting against lefties, who was against righties, pretty much like one through nine, you could just pencil it in every day, as long as you mm -hmm. knew the handedness of the pitcher. And this is like completely different. Um, obviously we have an idea of what they're going to do, but as, as we kind of alluded to, I think the Cubs roster is at 31 right now. They have three to get it down. So they do have some decisions to make. I think someone like Alfonso Rivas is, is one of those guys we're like waiting to see exactly what they decide on. But generally we kind of know like what this positional group is going to be. And so where I want to start, and I'm, I'm very curious, uh, as, as an Ian Happ guy, right. Mm -hmm. Very curious to start in the outfield. If, if we assume or hope that say a Suzuki plants himself in right field, maybe not immediately every day. I don't know what they're planning on doing with that to get him comfortable and adjusted, but hopefully eventually that's where we get that. He's just the right fielder. That's it. I'm curious, like with all these names that we have for those other two positions, like how do you see that playing out? Do you do you envision them kind of switching off based on handedness, platooning? 
And if we got to a scenario, this is a hypothetical for you, where it's it's a three-man outfield, like almost on a daily basis. Who do you think that would be? If they if they got it to, hey, we're starting these guys every day, possible or not, like who who would you envision that being? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I think this is this is ultimately an easier question than it seems on the surface because of the way injuries have occurred uh in spring training. So because Angelton Simmons is not starting the year uh, you know, active. Um, and that's why actually with Simmons and uh Miley starting the year on the IL, I think we're actually down to 29 um out of oh right, yeah, they just spots. haven't done that yet. So the, yeah, yeah they right. just haven't done it, but they will be. So it's really only the last spot. I think Ethan and there was two and there's like Ethan Roberts is getting it obviously. And I think Rivas is going to get it. Cause I think they said they were going 14 and 14, which is a little surprising, but also makes plenty of sense. Cause you could bring up a reliever once you need them. You don't need to start with him. You won't get him on the first day, get to him on the first day. All that said, um, the only, <laughs> the only reason that this is a tiny bit difficult is because uh, Jason Hayward is still here. And you know, I, I, I feel fine complaining about this because I spent so much time defending him early on and, you know, through the first swing change uh, after the first off season, the second swing change after the second off season, the third swing change, which is to go back to his original, original swing, because that's (laughs) gonna, no, no, it's, we're, can we please not give him the starts over Rafael Ortega in center field, but they're going to. And so the first thing to answer, first part to answer your question is how do I see it shaking out? It's going to be Jason Hayward in center field against most righties, Seiya Suzuki in right field. And in left field, it'll be either Ian Happ or Clint Frazier. And I think one or the other could end up DHing. And the reason that that works out is because you can uh, start Nick Madrigal at second, Nico at short, Whereas if everyone was healthy and you needed Simmons to start, sometimes you might want to put Nico at second and DH uh, Nick Madrigal. And then suddenly you have to have a Hap, you know, Hap uh, Frazier conversation for left field, assuming you're starting Hayward in center, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of space there for it to work out. Ideally though, ideally uh, Hayward would not be a factor. I don't care what they do, whatever. Let's set that aside because that's not the point. Um, And you have, Hermosillo and uh, Ortega platooning in center. Hap and Frazier switching between DH and left field, depending on the matchups, seeing how it works out, Seiya and right. And that's it. And then when Brennan Davis comes up, eventually you figure it out then. And one of them will have done something that makes it not make sense anymore, whatever, you know, or he just plops right into center field. And, you know, I love Michael Hermosillo and I think Rafael Ortega could be extremely useful but you don't, they're not blocking Brennan Davis. Sure. Right. So, yeah. um, I think, I think that, you know, uh, what I hope to see, what I hope desperately, um, and I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this today and I was going to tweet it and I was like, this is a terrible idea, but I'll say it right now. Um, I hope that like early July, let's say that there's a point where we have like, you know, uh, Hap Davis, Suzuki wisdom and VR at third, Horner at short, Magical at second, Schwindel at first, Pap or Frazier or Contreras at DH, and Contreras at catcher. And you know what? I'd watch the hell out of that lineup. Every like, Indian, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. that's that's great. I don't know if it'll ever actually be that. You know, like I don't know if we're gonna get there. It's it's 
just as possible that Davis struggles in AAA to start and is a little bit delayed uh, to the point where they trade Contreras and or Hap and Frazier. Fra- Frazier and or Hap are not quite hitting the way we think they could and that sort of fizzles out and wisdom is striking out like crazy. So VRs has to start every day and Edgerton Simmons is our shortstop. Like as soon as I started writing it out, I was like, well, that looks all pretty and nice, but I mean, it's, we're so far away from that becoming a reality that I didn't want to put it out there. Like in writing in words, I could say, this is fake, fake, you know, fake audio, (laughs) fake. They could do anything with CGI nowadays. You guys, you have no (laughs) idea. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fake, right? yeah the uh like we i brought up the comparison even though it's not you know it's not identical but just a way that these players could be used might be similar to how the giants deployed their positional roster last year where you have tons of guys not get more than 450 plate appearances but a lot of guys got around 300 to 400 and you can see mm-hmm. a similar situation working out if all things work well for these guys like patrick wisdom let's say this new adjustment that he did make is something that's going to lead to more contact, maybe more contact at the top of the zone. Maybe Nico does end up making the adjustments. The health is there. Schwindel, his late season September run is actually sustainable. And you can see the parts kind of piecing together if everything goes well. It's just a lot of ifs, and we start multiplying those ifs, then it becomes unlikely, but still a realistic possibility. But the, the question I wanted to ask you, Michael, is we're talking about the outfield. Like I'm excited about Clint Frazier. I think the profile looks great. Uh, it's interesting how Ortega played in center field last year. The Hermosillo story is fun. The athleticism is very good. Even Ross called Hermosillo probably the best defensive center fielder by metrics. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to like wrap this around in my, in my mind. Like what, like why, you can roster Hayward, but like, why even play Hayward this this much? And I, there has to be an answer, right? Like to say, like for us, like, oh, I don't know, this is kind of like a stupid thing. Like, yeah, but it's happening, and it's happening by like really smart, of course, influential people in this franchise. Like, how? Like, what is the logic of doing this when you want to see how the other pieces do play out? Yeah. Um. So, two things to that exact point. One. Michael Hermosillo, um, I don't know if you guys saw my story back in December, right before the lockout. The Cubs, if you remember, they they cut him and then almost immediately within 24 hours um, signed him to a big league deal. And it was like, what? That doesn't happen. That doesn't make sense. So what actually happened there is he, uh, he, the, the Cubs, um, I don't know if they DFA'd him, whatever, released him. He yeah. was a free agent. And uh, got a ton of calls um, from multiple teams, six teams, I think it was, six or seven. Um, One of those teams was the Dodgers, and the call wasn't just like one of their recruiters. It was literally Andrew Friedman on the phone, hard-selling Michael Emerson to come back to L.A., and he was able to pivot and turn that into a big league deal with the Cubs. And they were forced to because of the interest around the league. So. Any belief that you know anyone listening can sense from the three of us on why we think he could be so useful and good, I mean, that should tell you pretty much everything you have to know. Not only did Jed Hoyer sign him and 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 reacquire him, Andrew Friedman was putting a hard sell on getting him, and he's right very often. So he's a good player. He's got a lot of potential. I want to see what he can do. And I think that you can even put him in the best possible position to succeed by limiting his – Played appearances with a 
really nice platoon option like Raphael Ortega, which brings us to Jason Hayward, who has the same at his best, the same, you know, overall profile as Ortega. So why keep both? And if you're going to keep either, why keep Hayward? The best I can offer you genuinely is that it's, it's like the biggest thing to criticize David Ross for. He likes him. They were teammates. He looked, they look, they're looking out for each other. I mean, these are people at the end of the day. Okay. And you know, David Ross has done nothing in my book, in my opinion, to demonstrate anything, but the best interests of the Cubs so far has never been a factor that he's was friends with these guys or anything. When it comes to Jason Hayward, you know, is it possible that the front office just won't cut bait with him? And so Ross is like, well, we might as well see if he's got anything left. He had a big 2020 season. Yeah, I guess. But it seems just as likely that they're, they're just, I, I don't want to put this out there. Cause it's like, it's so hard to believe that that's even possible, but I am genuinely at a loss for why you would, you have to pay them no matter what. So why yeah. wouldn't you play the guy who's a better bet to contribute? That's right. at the end of the day, that those are the facts. They're playing the guy that's a, a worse bet to contribute in the exact same situations as another guy that's already rostered and is making nothing at all. So yeah, you have to draw some conclusions, right? I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. We don't have all the information, I guess is the most cordial way I can, I can say yeah. it. And I don't know beyond that. I don't know what the answer is. It's it's interesting watching kind of everybody in the, the Cubs sphere, try to put their heads, you know, together on this one. But I, we, we did get a, I think Brendan, this is our first super chat, uh, from bear forever 14. So thank you for that. Um, and I, I, I have a way to kind of integrate this. I want to do a a couple generic questions when we finish, but I have a way to integrate, uh, bear forever 14 super chat into the Jason Hayward discussion. He asks, or they ask, excuse me, uh, Hey guys, how far away do you think this Cubs team is from competing for a world series? And, while that's a tough question to answer, you know, in terms of an exact ETA, I think it, that's why we talk about the Hayward thing so much. Um, because it seems like it's preventing you, as you said, Michael, from getting some answers on some guys that might be contributors to this team in 2022, but also long-term. And the reason we want those answers on guys like Frazier and Hermosillo is to answer this exact question. Like it helps us answer that question. If you know, I, I, you know, and pick a guy that you like Hap tale of two seasons last year. So what you think he can do, you want to find out, right? If he hits like he did in the, in the second portion of last year, you'd like to know that if that's going to, who he's going to settle in to be. But like Clint Frazier, I think is maybe like if Brendan and I, and maybe I, I think Cody too, is, is on the Clint Frazier train, right? If we had a guy that we're like really into, it's, it's Clint Frazier, right? <laughs> Aboard the Clint Frazier train. But I, I keep saying this, like if you're trying to answer how far away this team is from competing for another World Series, if 27-year-old Clint Frazier looks like the former top prospect and the guy people believed was going to be a star for the New York Yankees, that speeds some things up for Jed Hoyer in this mm-hmm. front office. I don't care how much money Tom Ricketts is giving him to play with, Right. If you can pencil in this outfield with someone, Brennan Davis and Seiya Suzuki, that's a lot of questions asked and answered going forward. So I don't know if you guys have a, a you know an ETA on when the you know we see this next great Cubs team, but that's that's why we focus on the Hayward thing because it it seems like it's preventing us from answering that question at least in certain positions. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think that I don't I don't want to blow this question off, but I do think that answering this question after this season is going to be like disproportionately easy. Yeah. Um, relative to right now, that's right? what this year's kind of about. That's what this yeah. year's kind of about, right? With that said, um, I think looking to twenty twenty four is a year where you could be like, you know, they should be at the beginning of the 2024 regular season, that Cubs team needs to be in a position to be projected to be the NL central, you know, division leader, right? That's where they need to be. And then from there, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have zero confidence projecting any team being the world series winner. You know, all you can do is win your division, get into the playoffs. Hopefully with the new rules, you have the right seating and you could skip the first round and then you're even more of a favorite, right? So all I want to do is, you know, get them to that position. And I still think, though, that after this year, 2023 might look, you know, a heck of a lot better if Brennan Davis is awesome, if Seiya Suzuki is awesome. Um, so there, there's a lot to figure out, but I don't think we're that far off from them being like back in the top five to 10 picture of like, yeah, th that's a team that could win the World sure. Series this year. And yeah. I mean, the fact, the fact that we're having this conversation, right, where it, it is hard to, answer that like with a degree of confidence but it's that lack of confidence that makes this season so interesting and it does at least for me kind of give me some encouragement that once we do talk about their competitive timeline next offseason this could be an entirely different conversation because maybe by then we know what brennan davis looks like adra alizalite ended up being healthy developed another pitcher against left-handers Justin Steele came into his own wisdoms contact rate and proof. Schwindel actually is a guy. Madrigal actually is a guy. Oh my you can God. We see didn't this. talk about Nick Madrigal. I, I, know, today. This, <laughs> I know we need like a three hour show, but that's, yeah. that's, I mean, again, it's another point. You have so many moving parts here that this team may kind of find themselves into competitiveness as soon as next year. Mm -hmm. If things again, go their way, it's a lot of ifs, but they're not, to me, they're not like really unrealistic. I do think there's uh, a realm of reality where maybe not everyone pans out, but you can see it working. And I, it, it's happened in the past with other teams. Evaluating these era, this era of players is very different than evaluating the 2015 Cubs or the mid 2000s Cubs or any of those players in that timeline because the player development trajectory is a little bit more volatile. It's harder to predict these guys, and so this is a different, a different type of, I think, evaluation that, as a fan, can speed up this timeline. And so, it's a lot of moving parts here. I think conservatively, yeah, 2024 is where you have to go, but I don't think 2023 is that crazy to think about if yeah. a few parts end up working. 2023 should not feel like this does, but no. um, have a couple just kind of more rapid fire. Uh, don't want to run too long here tonight, but um, just kind of rapid fire questions. And then we'll, we'll, we'll sign off here. Um, I think I've asked you this question in, in the past, Michael, and I'll pose it to you, of course, Brendan, and I have an answer, but I can change it if you guys take mine. Um, if you could look into the future and I could tell you that one player really worked out, it, it panned out exactly as we're all dreaming on. They hit that ceiling. They hit that 99th percentile outcome. It worked, right? Which player knowing that would give you the most confidence today going into the 2022 season? I'm I'm between two. I mean, 
just like Brendan was saying, there's, I'm going to go fast. I promise. There's so many of those lottery tickets. There's so many irons in the fire that like you could pick anybody, right? Here's my, you get the 99 percentile version of that player, Nick Madrigal. He mm -hmm. hits for a 440 slugging and his ISO is 150. Mm -hmm. Done, done. Yeah. That is it, your second baseman. I don't care what his glove is like for the next lock him up 10 years. Done. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where I go. I think that's pretty unlikely. That's what that's the 99th percentile. But if you get to pick that, he's my guy. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the team control aspect where you have him for so many more years, right? That would be huge. And mm -hmm. with magical, with his contact ability. Yeah. That that's, that's a good one. I think for me, I'm biased. I love shortstops. Like I would love to see Nico, like finally, finally kind of cement himself into this team. And for him, 99th percentile is like really top tier defense at shortstop and like a weight on base average around maybe like 360-ish, you know, high batting average. Maybe you can slug a little bit. I saw around like 120, 150. And to me, that would shore up a lot of our problems. And you have Nico and you have Magical kind of in that middle infield. That, that would be amazing. But I'm biased. Love shortstops. I would love to see that. I guess we're all going offense because I'm I'm just gonna say Clint Frazier. Um mm. I honestly I watched him and you knew this, Brendan, because I texted you. I watched him hit that high inside fastball for that home run the other day. I know exactly. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. I yeah, like I I'm just so on board with this. And again, like he has the pedigree that if he hits that, it's like this is a you know, and if you believe Suzuki turns into kind of the player he was in the MPB or something with those skills, it's like, okay, this outfield picture becomes a lot clearer, especially given how much we all believe in Brendan Davis. So last question for you. Um, big year. If we're building the next great Cubs team, it's it's a big year for the developmental system. We 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 didn't talk about prospects a lot here, but it is a huge year for them. When you look at this system, let's take Killian and Davis out, assuming that they end up at Wrigley, at least for a cup of coffee, if it turns out that way, right? When you look at this entire system, who is the one player whose development you are hyper-focused on and, and kind of thinking this guy continuing to take these steps, move up the rankings, graduate from the different you know lower levels, this is the most important to mm. the Cubs' future success. Yeah. Um, geez, it's, there's so, there really is so many, I would go yeah. with Owen Casey though. I mm. just, I think, you know, if, if he can be, but it's so funny though, I, I don't even want to finish that thought because I've written up a lot of like the, you know, here's baseball America's top prospect list and here's, um, uh, MLB pipeline and so on everybody's list. Right. And I read everybody's reasoning for ranking everybody and everyone has a different player second to Brennan Davis for the Cubs, you know, and it's like Pete Crow Armstrong or Christian Hernandez. And they're all so awesome. And all of them say something along the lines of like, if they hit, you know, whatever, um, they have the chance to be a all-star or better player at the big league level, like, you know, right away. So it's hard to pick one guy. Um, Christian Hernandez is a shortstop and that's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, you always want those guys to hit because they're so valuable even before they actually reach the big leagues, they can be used in other ways. Um, but Owen Casey is my guy. That's who I'm picking. I think he's going to be monster season and I cannot wait to see uh, how the power develops and if it can be as exciting as, you know, it seems like it will be. Yeah. You see Owen Casey out there just hitting, ripping line drives into that left center gap pretty consistently, even during his time in the, in the complex league. 
last year. For for me, because I'm a little bit greedy and I want this uh, timeline accelerated, fascinated by Jordan Wicks. He could be some guy that could sure. really just fly through the system. And when you match him, I can't use him because Corey said he's off limits. But if you match him with Caleb Killian, then the rotation becomes more stable, more projectable. And we know mm-hmm. the amount of money the Cubs have spent in free agency on pitching for the past decade, right? So for for me, if we're, ty- if we're saying, okay, what is the most important? You know, there's so many different possibilities, but what is the, the timeliness that the most efficient? I think like having Wicks develop would be, would, would hit all those checkboxes. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I didn't even think that of is, Wicks, honestly, yeah. but yeah, he could be a, a very fast mover. Uh, from the chat, Will Collins says Marquez. That's a good one. He could be yeah, very important. One. Adam James Ring says DJ Hers. That's another good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick yeah. G says Caleb Killian. Kind of, you know, yeah. And, and hopefully. See, it's he, fun to be talking it, about this. But I, it's I, also, we're all so damaged because we're like, please just of one of the pictures. Yes. One of the pictures. One of the pictures. If I'm picking one, I think I'm going to take Ed Howard. Um, I like it. just would like to see him take that next step. Obviously, you know, coming out of high school and the draft and COVID and everything, like he's had kind of an interesting start to his amateur career. Uh, but you know, kind of like Hernandez, like you can get these middle infield guys to kind of continue taking those leaps. Um, we've obviously seen the success that that has brought the organization in, in recent history. Um, so I think that's that's what we have for you. Just kind of like setting the table. Um, I don't know, you know, Michael. If you do, do you want to throw out a record? I think it kind of gets hard to do because you don't know what's going to happen with the hundred wins. Deadline, but hundred yeah, wins. That's normally. I couldn't what we reach them. I have a bunch of records behind me. I was going to throw one, <laughs> and then I thought about it too. I was like, I don't want to throw any of my albums. So that was done. <laughs> don't want to get judged. I, I have no idea. You know, yeah. it, it could be. It could. It could be seventy. Could be as bad as 75 wins or as good as 75 wins depending <laughs> how you look at it i like that's it that's probably well, i mean that's probably where i'm at so you know yeah. i don't know <laughs> that's fair um, all right I'm gonna, I'm gonna be more optimistic i'd be more optimistic i'm gonna go with uh 79 wins Whoa! Okay. i know look out above 75 uh, yeah I, th- I think right around there and again as we've kind of talked about and you hear with these conversations there's the possibility that it's a lot worse than that if things fall apart. And there's a possibility things go right. The division is not good. Two of these teams are for sure not going to be good and not mm-hmm. really trying. You know, maybe some stuff happens. Um, Michael, before we sign off, uh, I think everybody knows where we can find you. Uh, but tell us where we can find your work, anything you want to direct anybody to. Yeah. Um, so I have an OnlyFans where I – no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I can't help myself. Promo ever. code. Yeah. Um, you could find my stuff at Bleacher Nation. I'm not going to be invited back, am I? Um, you can find my stuff at BleacherNation.com uh, and also on Twitter at Michael underscore Cerami. Or, you know, I do the occasional TikTok. Um, not pushing oh, you're, you're for anything TikTok crazy there, but – I like doing, I like doing those little videos, you know, I have a face for the camera. It loves me. I need to be in front of his, you know, a screen. So uh, please follow me in all those places. Perfect. Uh, so that is, is what we have for you. As always, you can catch uh, Cody, Ryan, and Luke. They'll be back live tomorrow on the CHGO Cubs podcast. And of course the YouTube feed, don't forget to sign up to become a premium member at all Get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you do. Podcasts and live shows every team, every day at allchgo.com. We will talk to you guys soon. And, of course, Brendan and I are back now on our – the next time you guys hear us, it'll be after the first series. Cubs play with the Brewers, and we will be with you 
all season long uh, before and after every series. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Cubs.